0: Hey, Stu. (laughs) Hey, it's Monday. Hi, Glenn. Hi. What a great Monday. What a great Monday podcast we had for people today. Uh, We have the uh, New York Times talking about getting away from the old Constitution. In fact... We really should just legislate everything and get rid of the
1: whole judicial process. Everything we've accused them of over the years, they're now admitting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we we also had uh, John Solomon on to talk
0: to us a little bit about what was happening uh, at mar and lago and what the president is going to do. Now that the judge said they have to release all of the warrant, will the DOJ do it? We have that answer
1: for you. And what... Is going to be the response. Don't forget to subscribe, blaze TV.com slash Glenn. Promo code is Glenn for 10 bucks off your subscription. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast and Stew does America as well. And the last part of the podcast is on
0: Alexander Dugan, Russia, and our response. A point of view you're not going to hear anywhere else. So enjoy the podcast and thanks for listening. Let me tell you about Goldline, Uh, something amazing. Tons of Americans still don't know that it is possible to use your retirement account to acquire precious metals. And you could be saving up for retirement uh, and building a protective wall against inflation and other forms of insanity. Uh, Did you see that one of the main banks said, cash is a good position right now? (laughs) Meaning that people are expecting a very dark uh, fall Uh, That's all the experts, and the experts are always wrong, so I don't know what to believe right now. Anyway, please hedge your bet by calling Goldline. Let them help you out with your retirement funds to make sure you have some protection, even 10% of what you have. Just please consider precious metals. Call Goldline today. Tell them I sent you, and give them the promo code MYB which represents Mind Your Business Silver Bars. They've got free silver just for calling right now. Just call 866-GOLDLINE, 866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. Here's a podcast.
1: You're listening to The Best of the Glenn Beck Program.
0: I want to start with with a positive uh, today. I want to start with something that I think you need to understand. Um, When you look at the world, you know, Stu and I were just talking about Alexander Dugan. And I don't think people have gotten the message yet on Alexander Dugan. But we've been talking about him. I've been talking about him for
1: what? Four years? Five years? Yeah. At least? And what he's been trying to do, not only in Russia, but all over the world. Right. Uh, He's a guy who's seen as someone who's on the right, a figure of the right. I've heard everyone calling him a figure of the right, but I don't think that's appropriate, certainly not in the American understanding of the right. No, he is
0: a capital T traditionalist. So I'm a small T traditionalist. I believe in traditional values. I believe in. But he is a capital T traditionalist, which is an actual movement. That is um, his movement. Is the the uh, what is it? The fourth political theory, and it is based on uh, strangely strongman and chaos. Uh, he believes that chaos is the way to be able to have Russia rule the world, and he is currently working and pouring money all over the world, including here in America. If you ever hear him on the air with a host, you should question what you believe about that host. Um, This man is, I believe, one of the most dangerous men, if not the most dangerous men in the world. He believes he has to bring on Armageddon to be able to have Russia become the global leader so he is extraordinarily dangerous he is also looking for the collapse and the destruction of america as we know it um so he is not a figure on the right he he, he's a he's a he's a fascist he believes the only thing that hitler did wrong was he didn't go far enough these are from his writings by the way you're not just you're not like no it's he's projecting onto him no he's He's terrifying So anyway, they killed his daughter um, yesterday and they're blaming it on Ukraine, which is very, very convenient, seeing that he's the guy who designed the Ukrainian policy. I just don't think Ukrainians are this stupid. Uh, I mean, I think they're corrupt. (laughs) Uh, The government is. I think that um, they are playing a very dangerous game. I think they're most likely screwing us, but we're helping them do that. Uh, but they are not stupid enough to go into the heart of Russia and kill Alexander
1: Dugan's Dugan or his daughter, as it happened in this case. Yeah, because they supposedly swapped cars at the last moment. Correct. Which is very, another bizarre twist in the story. Yeah, I think what's interesting too is that you know there's a lot of people in this audience that heard you talk about Dugan and understand the warnings that you were giving about him. But what's what was kind of interesting about how all this played out is that when the Ukraine-Russia conflict sort of hit that peak and Russia went in, there was, a, I think, a generally speaking an understandable response by many on the right who, you know, Biden and the government were involved immediately. We've seen this stuff play out so many times. It's understandable to see it with a lot of suspicion. We've, we've looked at Ukraine and we've seen a lot of corruption. Um, but you should look at it. You should of, look at yeah. it. Uh, you know, Zelensky being kind of, Propped up as this ultimate hero that was going to save the universe and all of this, I think elicits an immediate and understandable piece of of skepticism, particularly from a conservative audience that's seen this play out so many times. Um, And all of that may be very well true right like where you have this situation where there is real corruption in ukraine and there is uh, all sorts of problems with the media narratives about it and the fact that we're sending 60 billion dollars over there and the people who are involved in sending that money uh, are we going to waste a lot of it yes are we go is there oh, no. are there <laughs> other things playing out yes 100 mm-hmm. percent. all of that can be true at the same time that what you talked about with Alexander Dugan is true. Yeah, Um, I I
0: think where where we as a country have gone wrong here is we have assigned uh, the labels good, bad. Right, right. And it's really not. It's more like... Uh, instead of black and white it's more like black and charcoal gray right. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: it's there is a difference there but uh not not an awful lot and there's been a lot of kind of immediate skepticism of of the of this whole situation um and some on the right have taken immediately the side of russia which I, I, you know, I, I don't hear that a lot from, the, uh, from our audience, but I do see it a lot on social media mm-hmm. and some, some writers doing that. And it's, what's interesting about that is that this is exactly what you were talking about when you were talking about Alexander Dugan initially. Yeah. His, his th- philosophy had a lot to do with Russia and had a lot to do with Russia's position in the world, but it also had a direct path of attack on the American right to try to plant ideas on the American right to tie into what we do have in common mm-hmm. with big T traditionalism, so traditional will, values, right. but encapsulating his entire worldview on the back of traditional values, right. which is not something the American people Correct. believe in.
0: Because people will only hear, I'm for religion. I'm, I'm for uh, you know, traditional values. I'm backing the family. Uh-huh. And what else? What was that about Hitler? Uh, you know, you forget about those things, and you don't look at those things, especially when there is an emergency, or you're looking for team members. He is a very dangerous team member. Team member, but I, I don't fear it because of this audience. And let me explain this. I have said, really, right after September 11th, I said this. I was overwhelmed with a feeling, and I have had this feeling time and time again. And I really wondered what it meant. But I said it because I knew it to be true. And what I said was, this audience will turn a corner. It'll be a pivot point. This audience will be responsible in the end for saving America. Or saving at least remnants of it. But you are going to play a big role in a positive way. And I've often wondered what that meant. Well, it dawned on me Friday when... Something happened, and then I started thinking about it, and I started piecing it together, and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There was a story that was out from the New York Times. The overturning of Roe versus Wade. If you want to understand it, you need to understand the 2010 election. And what does that mean? The 2010 election was the Tea Party movement. The Tea Party movement, when we started going to Washington in droves and demanding change inside the Republican Party. That's what set up the the political landscape that gave us the the members of the court that we have now. So you have to understand the 2010 election. And then I thought, well, 2010 election, I remember Oh my gosh, I remember the 2010 election, wasn't that the year of the Tea Party movement that started and had the first big march, you remember it, where the streets of Washington D.C. were packed with people, just packed with people. The right had never done anything like this before, and I can say this, I had nothing to do with that, but you did, you did, and what was the date of that march? September twelfth. September twelfth, otherwise known to this audience as 912. That march happened on that day because six months before that, I had gotten on television and I had said, gather around and gather all your friends because there's something we have to talk about. It and I launched the 912 project and I said. I'll tell you in six months what I'm going to do. You show me in six months what you're going to do. And that six month mark was 9-12. And you showed America what you were going to do. If you read Barack Obama's latest book, he talks about how the Tea Party movement was the obstacle that he could not overcome. He said it was he he was thwarted every step of the way because of the Tea Party movement. Do you remember we were facing the goals, uh, the um, Agenda 21 goals? We exposed it. I wrote a couple of books about it, uh, and it became a giant conspiracy theory. And then it was like, oh, no, wait, it's on the websites for the United Nations. Then it disappeared. And it came back as the sustainability goals of 2030. This audience, because you paid attention to Agenda 21 and spoke out, this audience bought us an additional nine years. Imagine how demoralizing things would have been when we pulled out of Afghanistan had you not been there to save 20,000 people and bring them across the border. How demoralizing if no one would have banded together, worked together and got those people out without the government. Now, here's what happened on Friday that made me realize you already have changed the course. There was a story in in many of the financial papers that Reported that pushback is getting so intense on ESG that, quote, proponents are pushing for a name change, end quote. That made me think of Common Core. Wait a minute. Common Core. Whatever happened to Common Core? Oh, yeah. We started talking about it and this audience spread the word and stopped Common Core. I have such great faith in not only God, but you. What I have said for a very long time, this audience is going to play a really big role. And not understanding it while I said it, I understood it Friday right at the end of this broadcast. I have been waiting all week, all weekend to tell you this. You've already changed the course. You've already bought us enormous amounts of time. Keep it up. You're changing the course of America. Keep it up. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. John Solomon, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? Great to be with you, Glenn. Ah, It's good to be with you. We are living in insane times. I I remember we... We We, you know, we've, we've talked for years now. Did you did you ever really believe that it would ever get like this?
2: I didn't, no. I mean, we've had this great American experience for 246 years, and I think back to that speech you gave at CPAC in February, and I think all the things you said, somewhere along the way, we jumped out of the roots of this great country, and we're, we're in a place now that doesn't resemble uh, the, the America that we all grew up in. It's, yeah. it's a very trumbly time.
0: So um, I think a lot of people in the last couple of weeks have learned a lot about what to do and what to expect when you're served a warrant at your house. Uh, It's actually a good way. It's God's way of teaching us the Constitution, I think. Um, What happened with Donald Trump is, again, I believe a horror show. There's no way he's selling secrets, you know, nuclear secrets to Finland. This is ridiculous. Um, It does now seem to appear to be uh, a shot across the bow because he was trying to release documents that showed who was involved in the Russia hoax.
2: Is that true? Well, listen, there is this long six year battle between the FBI and Donald Trump. And of course, it starts with Russia collusion, which we now know as a completely contrived and political investigation that had no predicate, no merit whatsoever. As the presidency is coming to an end, as Donald Trump's leaving office in on January 19, 2021, he declassifies the documents the FBI never wanted out in public. They didn't want these documents out. These are the way they handled their informants, what they knew before they signed the FISA warrants, what they were telling the court versus what they knew internally. That just inflamed the FBI all more, all the more. And for the last year, as I've reported, the FBI secretly grabbed those documents. The president declassified them. He ordered them to be released in the last hour of the Trump presidency. I'm, I'm told at 11 o'clock on January 20th, 2021, the FBI and the Justice Department grabbed those documents. They made up an excuse. Hey, we left a couple of Privacy Act pieces of information in there from the declassified documents. Let, let's grab them. We'll fix that. We'll release them. They grabbed them. Unbelievable. Held them for 19 months. They've kept them from the American public despite a lawful order of a sitting president.
0: So he had the documents, but they hadn't been
2: redacted. They were redacted. They were completely ready. Uh, They had been declassified, all the declassified markings. At the last minute, the Justice Department raised an issue that maybe there was a piece of information there still covered by the Privacy Act. Let's go look at it real quickly. It looks like it was really just an excuse to grab the document.
0: Right. So now, did he have those at Mar-a-Lago? Do we know? Is that what what they were going after?
2: Yeah. Not that we know of. No one has told me. I haven't found anyone who told me he had the documents here. And, of course, I've asked the president, uh, do you have the documents? He's told me no. That's why he gave me permission as a journalist to go to the non-public section of the National Archives and try to find these documents. That's what led us to the discovery just three weeks ago that these documents had been grabbed by the Justice Department and a secret hand grabbed them and put them into the Justice Department.
0: So you haven't been able to
2: find them. No, well, we know where they are now. There's two sets. There's a classified set at the National Archives. I can't see those because I don't have a security clearance, nor nor does anyone else in normal America. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I could have done the sock thing, but probably Mm -hmm. not advisable. Uh, And then the second part is uh, there is a set at the Justice Department, and I'm taking multiple actions to try to force the Justice Department. And I hope to have some really good news later this week. I've been negotiating with the Archives. Uh, They've been working with the Justice Department. I have a sense an inkling that we might get these documents in the near future. All right.
0: So what was it that the FBI, do you think, was looking for?
2: It's a great question, right? Uh, it, the first possibility is maybe what they said is all that it is, right? This is a dispute between the archives and uh, former President Donald Trump. And they actually went to this unprecedented means to go get documents back by raiding his home. I haven't found any other great explanation for people. And, and I think that when history looks back, if that's all this was, if this was a dispute over documents, there is a civil process that could have been followed. Um, and that means they will have criminalized a dispute over paper. And, uh, and with some serious issues involved, and I think there's another part of this, Glenn, that we haven't been able to dig into. And I'm, I'm really working on it hard now. It is impossible for the, uh, this sort of a dispute to go on and become criminalized without the biden white house knowing there's just no way the way the system of government works so what was the biden white house's role in these conversations i think that's the next big shoe to drop i don't know what it is yet but i'm determined to find out what it is because the way government works you've got these issues of privilege you've got these issues of uh of a dispute between the current administration and the past administration the biden white house had to be in the loop and i don't think their story yet well, yeah, adds
0: up. i have to tell you there th- just on common sense and the way the world has traditionally worked in america there's no way a decision that large that would come back to the white house eventually and affect the presidency not just biden and trump but the entire presidency there's no way the justice department doesn't call and at least give a
2: heads up am i wrong I'm 100 percent with you. And there's, I think, another issue here. Remember that there, uh, the grand jury subpoena, which I broke the story a couple of weeks ago, was executed on June 3rd uh, in a collaborative way, by the way. Both sides were still working together then. That didn't address the issue of executive privilege. What does that mean? It means somewhere earlier in the process, somebody had to waive executive privilege in order for a grand jury uh, uh, subpoena to be issued for presidential documents. The only mm. Donald Trump isn't going to be waiving it, I think we're going to find out that the Biden administration waived executive privilege for Trump and that they were deeply involved in this. that That just is the only plausible explanation for why there wouldn't have been a privilege claim back in June when the grand jury uh, first showed you know, for the subpoena was first executed wow. so
0: john um I'm doing a special on Wednesday on the history of the FBI and And how corrupt it has been through. I mean, it really was corrupt from the very beginning. Um, You know, we had Hoover doing all kinds of stuff that was really, really dark and bad. Um,
2: are, Are we at or beyond the Hoover days? Well, listen, uh, one of the big stories I did when I was at the Washington Post and I worked for 60 Minutes uh, for 40 years, for 40 years, the FBI would go into, take it was taken out of politics for a second, they would go into a case and say, that guy on trial for murder, I can assure you that the bullets we found in his bedroom drawer matches the bullets that were shot out of that gun. And for 40 years, they testified that hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of murder uh, uh, defendants were convicted based on the FBI scientist's The story i broke in 2007 showed the fbi knew all along that that science was junk science it wasn't true that they couldn't make such a representation and yet they continued to do it well past the uh, well they did during the hoover years well past the all the way into the mother years um so the history of the fbi whether it's the church hearings which really went into the hoover era or what we've learned, nine eleven, 11 the uh, r- 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 mistakes in the Oklahoma City bombing, the problems with the FBI lab. This is an agency that has a very uh, big reputation, but it also has a very big history of abuses time and time and time again.
0: Any way to rein that in?
2: a great question. You know, some of the policymakers I've been talking to in Congress, for the first time, I've heard Republicans tell me privately, you know what, it's time to break up the FBI. Maybe uh, make them like Scotland Yard and put the uh, domestic intelligence into a different agency. Uh, There is clearly a moment of reckoning for the FBI on the immediate, immediate horizon. The real question is, if you just take the counterintelligence division out, you put it somewhere else, The mentality still exists that there's not a regard for the Constitution, and that's the part, whether it's inside the FBI or outside of it, the the lack of regard for the Fourth Amendment, for uh, our liberties in the face of a big government. That's the part that hasn't been crushed out. I'm not sure just dividing the FBI solves it, Uh,
0: especially the intelligence arm. The intelligence agencies are completely out of control. The things I've read about the intelligence agencies and I've heard from people on Capitol Hill is they really don't answer to anybody right now.
2: Yep, they have their own mindset, their own mentality they feel. And because so much of what they do can stay secret no matter what, as, as we're seeing in this search warrant today, um, we never get a visibility to know what the, if what they're telling us, the excuse they're giving us, is real. And it's only years later, usually through lawsuits and FOIAs, that we find out, well, the official story of the intelligence community didn't match what we were told at the time. It's that secrecy that I think creates so much concern. There was an opportunity in the middle of Russia collusion While Republicans were still in control of both to do something, to create a permanent advocate so that all intelligence cases that occurred in secret, there would be someone advocating on behalf of the American whose liberties were about to be violated. They whiffed on that. Paul Ryan whiffed on that. Mitch McConnell whiffed on that. But I think there are a lot of people today that would go back and say, you know, if I had a do over, I'd probably create that public advocate who goes into the court and argues on behalf of you and me and everybody else.
0: So, um, John, what do you think Donald Trump is talking about when he says that, you know, he said over the weekend, it might be within hours, it might be Monday, uh, that I'm going to be filing something and big news coming. What do you think that might be?
2: My reporting indicates that the president is considering uh, filing a motion to remove uh, uh, Magistrate Judge Bruce Reinhardt, who, by the way, just a few minutes ago ruled that the entire affidavit cannot be kept sealed. He believes he used the word "unprecedented." I'm glad he recognizes what he approved is unprecedented, uh, but he is rejecting the Justice Department's uh, request to keep the affidavit secret. But I believe the wait, 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 wait—he
0: go rejected the de- the Department of Justice. This
2: just broke just a few minutes ago. It's up on just the news right now. Judge Reinhardt this morning uh, said the Justice Department's request to keep the entire affidavit for the search warrant uh, under seal is rejected, that this is an unprecedented case. It requires transparency so people can understand why the FBI was authorized to raid a former president's home. So that just happened this morning. That's a, uh, something that the president was cheering on. And how long will um, it be before we see that? Well, there are two options. Either they have to deliver the unredacted version of the um, affidavit on Thursday, or a more likely scenario is the Justice Department will slow walk this, go to a district judge, then go to an appeals court, maybe even go to the Supreme Court. Oh my God. I guess as they're going to go that route. But meanwhile, the president, to answer your question, I think the president is going to ask that a special master be appointed, a court-appointed independent person, mm-hmm. take the documents from the FBI and go through them and say, these are privileged, these are aren't, these are overly expensive, they shouldn't have been collected like your passports, and, res- and not leave the FBI on an honor system, given that all we know. So I think that's what we're going to see the president do.
0: That would be great. John, thank you so much.
2: You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck
0: program. Rebecca Koffler, thank you so much for joining us on uh, short notice. As uh, as yesterday, there was a car bomb. Uh, Do you agree with me that it was clearly meant for Alexander Dugan and not his daughter?
3: Well, hey uh, Glenn. It's such a pleasure to be uh, back on your show with you, you and your audience. Um, yes, that is the conventional uh, wisdom that it is the father, Alexander Dugan, and the mastermind of the ideology of Eurasianism that underpins Putin's entire doctrine and strategy, which includes the destruction of Ukraine. It is him who was the target. However, there's also an alternative uh, hypothesis Mm. is that both of them were targeted. Because originally, they were supposed to be driving in one car from the uh, lecture and the the big event that Dugan was speaking at. And it is at the last moment that the father, Alexander Dugan, switched cars. So, and because his daughter w- was just as vocal in the anti west you know narrative that underpins russia 's current uh, anti u s policy, she possibly was also the target
0: okay because she 's also in the media but but he is the leader of of this uh, I just think it 's a cult all around the world. he is infecting Uh, even America with some of his uh, capital T traditionalism and people just don't understand how dangerous this is. Do you believe that, that it would be in the best interest of Ukraine to try to pull this off?
3: Okay. So it is hard to tell on the one hand, Ukrainians could perfectly be justified to, to, Target this person. Correct. And uh, Dugin has advocated for the destruction of Ukraine.
0: Right. He's right. actually calling, if, if I'm not mistaken, he's actually calling for um, the the elimination of Ukrainians, if you will. I, I don't remember the word he used, but it was it seemed like a death uh, holocaust kind of uh, thing. But he's calling for more than just occupying. And he is Uh, Also, the the idea planter or the seed behind uh, Crimea and now this incursion into uh, Ukraine, correct?
3: One hundred percent. So, yes, it is possible that there's motive um, why Ukrainians would want to target. Now, to pull something off like that is not a slam dunk. So a lot of the resources and planning must have gone into this operation. But uh, let me tell you um, uh, about Dugan a little more, because he's not only anti-Ukraine, he is anti-America. I have a whole chapter in my book dedicated to Alexander Dugan, because he's considered to be Putin's brain. Mm -hmm. His writings, he's a political philosopher, ultra-nationalist. He was the thought leader behind Eurasianism, as I said, which which underpinned Putin's policy of the so-called Russian world. Okay? And I would like to give you some quotes about Dugan, who called on Russia to counteract U.S. policy at all levels and in all regions of the world. And specifically, he said that Russia, and I quote, must weaken, demoralize, and deceive in order to win. It is especially important to tr- introduce geopolitical order into America's internal reality, to encourage separatism and ethnic, social, and racial conflicts, actively support dissident movements and extremist racist groups and sects, and to destabilize internal processes. So this is who we are talking about. Um, so, you know, it's a mastermind of a very dangerous ideology and, and now his daughter is gone and the Russians are up in arms and about it. Uh, the Russian media erupted over the weekend, blaming the United States and blaming Ukraine for what they, uh, mm. characterized as a terrorist attack. Uh,
0: it is, um, it's interesting to me that his plan on how to destabilize America, um, while they say the right is in bed with Putin, uh, the plan that Dugan gave to Putin, it, it would be everything that the left is involved in. And I don't mean necessarily Democrats. I mean, the left of, you know, racial uh, racial division, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so. The media in Russia comes out with this. I don't know if we have any credibility to be able to say we didn't do this. I hope to God we didn't do this. Um, What would be a Putin response?
3: Right. So uh, when the Russians blame the United States uh, first, They're not saying that we directly actually orchestrated this, but what they are implying, given our support to Ukraine and the fact that we admitted that we provide uh, targeting information to Ukraine— Uh, so that they could effectively defend their country against uh, the Russian invaders, they, in the same manner, they accused us of uh, having orchestrated this. So the response is going to be, I'm concerned, is further escalation, because, again, um, Dugan is a symbol. And his daughter has turned uh, into a martyr right now, has been turned by the Russian media. And remember, this attack in uh, the explosion, uh, uh, basically the way that this was done is the explosive device was put under the seat of her car and was remotely detonated. So um, this explosion comes on the heel of a series of attacks In Crimea. And remember, the Russians uh, believe Crimea is the red line for Ukraine, despite the fact that Crimea is Ukrainian territory, but because the Russians annexed it in 2014, and they consider it part of Russia right now. So in combination, all of this, you know, escalation is going to put pressure on Putin to ratchet up um, his military assault on Ukraine, and in fact, President Zelensky himself uh, warned yesterday that around Wednesday, this coming Wednesday in two days, he's concerned about the Russian staging some something really nasty, some provocations, uh, because on Wednesday, it's Ukraine's Independence Day, when Ukraine became independent from the Soviet Union. So I share that concern, whether it's on Wednesday or shortly after. Um, We know that there are plenty of opportunities, specifically one of the extreme, you know, risks uh, moderate probability, but extremely high risk of a uh, disaster that exists right now. It's related to the nuclear power plant in Zaporozhia that both sides are uh, accusing each other of shelling, and that is at the risk of erupting in, you know, in possibly, hopefully not soon, but uh, there's definitely that risk.
0: So we're talking to Rebecca Koffler. Um, you actually lived in the Soviet Union, if I remember right.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, okay. I was born and lived there. I came to the United States in, in 89 as right. already as a, as a young adult. So okay. I went through the whole, you know, indoctrination system and everything.
0: So she is the author of Putin's playbook and a U.S. intelligence uh, expert. The the idea that we had anything to do with it or that uh, Ukraine did. I find hard to believe because both sides would have to be insane to do it and it would be very difficult. We could pull it off, but Ukraine pulling it off, I think, would be very, very difficult. The idea that this was some anti ultranationalist nationalist uh, group trying to kill him. Seems difficult um, because it would only make him into a martyr. But who would have in Russia, who would have the ability and the desire to do this?
3: OK, so I personally don't find the reports of that it's, you know, the National Republican Army which is supposedly an anti-Putin partisan organization uh, that staged this. Uh, This is not credible to me. And the intelligence is uh, inconclusive as as far as who specifically uh, did this, because it's very, very fresh Uh, right now. uh, I am almost certain that the United States has absolutely nothing to do with this. And... The FSB, which is the uh, domestic security services in Russia, has attributed this already to a uh, Ukrainian woman named Mm. Natalia Vosk, who apparently, according to the FSB, that is now, you know, remember, FSB cannot be trusted but that doesn't mean that their analysis and their preliminary investigation isn't correct, correct. um but this is what they have assessed is that natalia Volk uh entered russia on july 23rd with her 12 year old daughter Sofia shaban and reportedly rented an apartment in the same building as daria Dugina. um Dugin's, uh, Dugin's daughter, daughter. That was killed and so and then apparently natalia uh fled to estonia now we need to to do more digging i'm certain that u.s intelligence is uh involved in the analysis and in the investigation on our own you know here obviously not you know, in Russia. But uh, at this point, it's very difficult to tell. Yes, Ukrainians, uh, you know, do claim that uh, there is an anti-Putin movement going in, in Russia. But remember, Ukrainians are just as adept as the disinformation oh, yeah. as uh, the Russians are. And they're fully invested in uh, waging this disinformation in order to dislodge Putin psychologically. They know how it's done, so both sides are, you know, invested in this and this is going to go on uh, forever. Uh in the meantime, you know, Glenn will keep pumping in our weaponry
2: into
3: Ukraine. Uh we just announced another $775 um, 000, 000, yeah, brother, million dollars um million dollars of uh, assistance. We're hoping that it will help Ukraine to change the battlefield conditions, but again, they're fighting a highly, you know, a much more superior, right. you know, adversary. And uh, this, this, there's no end to this.
0: So, uh, Rebecca, would you do me a favor? I'd like to stay in touch with this this week as this story develops, and we'll check back with you tomorrow if if uh, there's any developments. But um, this is extraordinarily concerning to me, and Americans need to understand who Alexander Dugan is because his tentacles are in America, and he is also he has fans. Uh, on the right in america and uh, i think he's an extraordinarily dangerous man thank you so much rebecca Absolutely. good yes
3: Great. you got it all
0: right rebecca koffler uh the name of her book is uh putin's hang on just a second let me just uh playbook putin's playbook
1: na, 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 na.